Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. This is the seventh class of our 26-class structured study of the Dhammapada. Um, these first six classes uh, address, in an ever more focused way, um, the refined mindfulness that the Buddha teaches that is necessary uh, for developing the Dhamma. And so this chapter, and it's kind of interesting in its placement in the, in the Dhammapada, describes the results of that refined mindfulness. And... As I read this, notice how um, how human these qualities are that the Buddha is describing as awakening, meaning there, there's nothing magical or mystical. And this this particular chapter, I mean, all of the Buddha's Dhamma points to that, but this particular chapter shows the practicality of an awakened mind. Arahant means awakened or gaining full human maturity. The Arahantavaga, the qualities of an Arahant. The Buddha's words, the Arahant, the perfected one, who has completed the Eightfold Path, who is free of disappointment, who is free of all worldly entanglements, has abandoned the fever of passion. Does anyone think they can't do that? Of course not. Mindful of right effort, they are not attached anywhere. That's a direct Dhamma teaching, isn't it? So right effort is recognizing and abandoning craving and clinging. Read it again. Mindful of right effort, holding in mind right effort. That's what mindfulness means. Mindfulness means to recollect or to hold in mind. Holding in mind right effort as it relates to the entire Eightfold Path, we become detached or are not attached to the things of the world anymore. We've abandoned craving and clinging anywhere. And these, again, these are, there's not, no magical or mystical words here. Anywhere means anywhere. It means in our entire human existence. There's no longer any craving for or clinging to things rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. The Buddha continues, Like swans who abandon a lake, they leave home after home behind. So this doesn't necessarily mean that as Dharma practitioners we simply become wanderers, which is what a lot of them did during that, the Buddha's lifetime. It means that we leave familiar place after familiar place behind. We let go of all the things that are familiar but rooted in ignorance. All of our um, all of our thoughts that bring us comfort within the, within the suffering of ignorance, that's to be recognized and abandoned. That's, that's more what the, re the Buddha is referring to rather than a physical home. It's the home after home that we establish in our lives that make us feel temporarily comfortable. And maybe let me say it this way, right in the world. But we, we've just developed another conceptual way that's rooted in ignorance and will only lead to disappointment. The wise understand that whole process. Those who abandon clinging do not accumulate and do not overindulge with regards to food, whose purpose, not food's purpose, their purpose is understanding and unbound freedom. They cannot be tracked like the birds in the air. What does it mean they cannot be tracked like the birds in the air? They're living entirely ordinary lives. There's nothing extraordinary. There's nothing um, 
There's nothing that would get you to notice them or track them in the world, save for the way that they hold themselves. We talked a little bit about this in the last couple of weeks about sharing a Dhamma with others and how to do it and, and what we need to own. Jen really showed that when she taught. If, if we're going to live as awakened human beings, as true arhats, we do it with absolutely no self doing it, meaning we're, we're, we're not projecting ourselves as awakened human beings. We're simply human beings. <clears throat> it's the world that doesn't understand that. It's not something that we have to project. It's something that we live. We cannot be tracked. <clears throat> like the birds in the air, those whose fetters are destroyed and are not attached to food, whose purpose is understanding and unbound freedom, even their path cannot be tracked like the birds in the air. It's an ordinary path. There's nothing extraordinary about it. Of course, it's, it's extraordinary in, in what it brings us, but it, it's simply a way of living a human life to its fullest. That's all it is. Of course, it couldn't be anything more. We couldn't want for anything more, could we, except understanding who we are in relation to the world we live in. That's what the Four Noble Truths represent. That if we crave for and cling to the things of the world, we are setting us up for constant disappointment, constant distraction, and the constant maintenance of ignorance of Four Noble Truths. It's by clinging to those ignorant, the manifestations of ignorance, that keeps us bound. The Buddha is saying, let go of those views, you become unbound. All beings hold dear, the wise who know restraint, like a charioteer, restrains a horse. All beings hold dear the wise who have destroyed pride, greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. The wise, the arahant, like the earth itself, resents nothing. What a powerful powerful line there. Um, a Another discipline that I'm a part of, the, uh, the recovery community, one of the sayings, and they have a book called book called Alcoholics Anonymous, known as colloquially as the big book, one of the most important lines, again, it's often overlooked, is that resentment is a number one offender of those of addicts and alcoholics, but resentment is a number one offender of everyone, isn't it? It's not just addicts and alcoholics who become resentful. With those trying to recover, especially urban recovery, you have to be very careful of resentment because when you're full of resentment, you're going to take a drink or a drug. But compulsive people get resentful, don't they, when they're not getting their way? And every human being is compulsive in some way if their minds are rooted in ignorance. So you could say that just as resent, as the big book says, resentment is a number one offender. In, in, in the Dhamma, resentment is a number one offender. Another word for resentment is ill will. There's a whole aspect of the Dhamma about addressing ill will, isn't it? It's to be recognized. And what do we do with it once we recognize that we're full of ill will? Well, first we take ourselves out behind a shed and we beat the hell out of ourselves for at least one week. <laughs> we recognize that we're stuck in ignorance and it's manifesting as ill will. And we very gently let it go. And once we really let it go, it'll never arise again. That's what the Buddha says here. The arahant, like the earth itself, resents nothing is resolute as a stone pillar in the Dhamma, their mind pure, concentrated, refined, is free of all worldly entanglements. Again, the Buddha is simply describing what it means to be an awakened human being. Does anybody here... Um, I'm going to put my goggles on for this because I want to see the answer. 
Okay, I'm watching close. <laughs> does, does anyone here um, feel that you can't do that? Free yourselves of worldly entanglements? At this moment? Um, as part of the Dhamma. Right now, yeah. You feel like you can or you can? I can't. Why not? I don't think that I have the skills developed just yet. Do you think that, that this path will develop the skills within you? Yeah, I have faith in that. Sure. Oh, okay. Absolutely, I have faith in the Dhamma. But right now, at this point, um, these hindrances do affect me, sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that's the right view that Tim is expressing. We may not be at the... We haven't reached the end of the past, the culmination, yet we understand from our own direct experience that it is now possible. And there's nothing... Tim, would you say that there's nothing you see that is impossible here? That's correct. It's, all, it's yes. possible. That's the, that, that's, the, that's the third noble truth. Cessation of suffering is possible. Tim is expressing in a, in a direct experiential, experiential way the third noble truth. It's possible. Michael? Uh, John, uh, I think you're, you are referring to right here, right now. To let go of the entanglements right here, right now. Yes. And that's living the Dhamma, because the Dhamma unfolds, meets us where we are. Yes. Okay, so it doesn't mean so much. I think that uh, uh, everyone here has things to do, but right here, right now, we're capable of not entangling ourselves with all those things that we all have to do and we're present right here. Yep, that's it. That's it. And, and so, I mean, there's an aspect of that that might seem paradoxical, excuse me. Because I'm talking about the process of awakening, which implies that that process continues into the next moment, then the next day, and the next week, and maybe the next year. For most of it, it's only going to be the next couple of minutes, by the way. So what, now we're talking, we're out of, out of time, aren't we now? We're, 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 we're in this moment, we're talking about the next moment. And that's, that seems to, to contradict the Dhamma. Of course it doesn't. It's just a realistic understanding of how the Dhamma unfolds. But in this, it is in this moment a mind united in its body, that Dhamma practice becomes possible. And then it becomes possible in the next moment, in the next moment. As long as we maintain a well-concentrated mind and the refined mindfulness, as the Buddha is referring to here, is maintain that right effort, moment by moment by moment, and we gradually awaken. So there, for years I used to belong to this um, school that believed in what it called sudden awakening or sudden illumination. And it was, it was often taught that you put, put your time in and at some point this burst of awakening happens. Of course, the, the practice had nothing to do with dependent origination or Four Noble Truths. It, it, it's a variant of, of Zen Buddhism. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. There's nothing immediate unless you're Kandana, meaning there's nothing instantaneous about this. For every, everybody who takes to the Dhamma, it's a gradual process. Some of us, that gradual process lasts a few days. For some of us, that gradual process lasts for a couple of years. But the process is maintained in the present moment by wise restraint right here. Right now. Even for Kandana, it was that particular moment was just the culmination of years of, years of effort. Yep. Yeah, he, was doing, he was studying the this, this, this similar um, philosophies that the Buddha did during that time. David? And isn't that just the opposite, you know, the sudden awakening versus what you referred to before class of 
until everyone's awakened. I'm not, you know, awake. And yeah, the Bodhisattva. Takes, and that just, that's almost like a built-in excuse because yeah. it can't possibly happen right can't. right now. So nope. therefore, we will build a religion around this and make it so yep. it's a salvation. Exactly. That, that's so beautifully said. That's, uh, unfortunately, that's what has happened. But it, 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 it's also understandable that... It has to be more special than the ordinary. Yeah. It, none of us can do it. So therefore, it, it, we must make this Buddha a god. Yes. We must make it a special occurrence. And therefore, you can't possibly do it right here, right now. Yeah, but but just but keep it's coming. Extraordinary. Yep, and it, it it's such a it's such a, a a hateful thing to put that in people's minds. Even though it, it most people are sincere, I'm talking about the teachers that I've known. They're sincere in what they're doing, except they've never developed what the Buddha actually taught, which is the most human <clears throat> philosophy ever presented. Because it's about becoming human. It's not about becoming saved. It's not about becoming a god among gods. It's not about becoming anything. That's what the Buddha says is becoming anything other than self. It's about becoming human, period. And as when we get caught up in a religious view, no matter what that religion is, we're, we're no longer human, are we? We're grasping after a non-human goal, becoming anything other than self. And what the Buddha realizes, this is what we are. And if we try to be something other than a six-property person, we're only going to set ourselves up for constant distraction and constant disappointment. But if we if we allow ourselves to simply be who we are, we can do anything that we want. Again, within reason. I'm not going to play center field for the Yankees. I don't think. But and, and actually, what I'm saying that I can do anything I want doesn't mean that I'll play center field for the Yankees. It means that I'll be at peace for not playing center field for the Yankees today. Yeah, it means right that view, I won't think about it either. You have right view, Tim's view that not right now. But he's in right view and on the path. So therefore, maybe expectations are distorted. And you really are awakening throughout this process. Yes. It's not a skill that all of a sudden I'm going to, in 20 years, have. And if I only had five more years, I, I'd be good. It's it As long as you're in right view and understanding the Four Noble Truths, then, of course, you have to believe that you can awaken. Yes, yes, and that and that's it. And and so that's right here and right now, isn't all of what David just said? All that we're talking about can only be <clears throat> experienced and acknowledged with a mind united in its body in the present moment. So I can I can think all I want about awakening tomorrow and doing a thousand bows today, so I can awaken tomorrow. But because I just because I believe in a thousand bows and I do them. And if I do them all awaken tomorrow, I probably won't awaken tomorrow, will I? And so I've just set myself up with an incredible amount of effort for disappointment tomorrow. And so then what do I do? I'm either going to blame myself because I don't deserve salvation. I'm so bad, self-loathing, the common human problem. Or I, I, I go to the other extreme and I say, well, the heck with this. I don't need it. I'm above all of this. And that's perfectly fine, too. Nobody has to take to the Dhamma. Nobody has to do anything at all as a human being. Everybody is free to live their lives as they want. From an early age, I wanted to understand what the hell was going on. And I, when I finally came across the Buddha's Dhamma, I found out what the hell was going on. 
and I found out it's no big deal. I used to think that life was jumping after one big deal after another. And I also had to identify and manufacture these one big deals after another after another. And I never lived my life until I came to the Dharma. And now every, every moment is ordinary and it's just as it should be. Including these extraordinary times. You know, sometimes I think about I, I grew, I was born in 55. I went through the, the protests slash riots of this uh, late 60s, early 70s, and into the 80s. There's no difference now than there was then. But at that time, I was very, very concerned about what was occurring in the world in a way that I felt I should do something about it. Now I'm very concerned about what's going on in the world, but I understand it. And I know that the most important thing I can do for all the turmoil in the world today is to take to the dominant awakening because it's the one thing that I can do that will help diminish the ignorance in the world. The one thing. Getting on a, my high horse, getting out a megaphone, becoming an engaged Buddhist is not being a Buddhist. Taking to the Dhamma is being a Buddhist. And then you are engaged each and every moment of your life and within, you are engaged in hu with humanity each and every moment of your life. When I decide that I know better than the rest of the world, except the ones that I associate with, what you should do, then I'm no longer living my life right now, am I? I'm living your life. I'm in your head. That's an awful place. I spent a good portion of my life in other people's heads. And John, you described exactly a smaller moment about Jen and her anxiety and her moment of teaching and how she realized, because being within the Dhamma, that it just wasn't about her and her anxiety. So just maybe riots or your moment of anxiety that you realize right here, right now. And it's a perfect example of the same thing. Exactly. It is. Thank you for that, that great perception. Uh, so I guess we're, the, the, the theme that's developing here is that awakening is possible for every one of us who's practicing the, the, the Dhamma, the, the pure Dhamma, and it's no big deal. Of course, with us, it's the most important thing in our lives. So the, the um, awakening is significant. But if we keep, we, we, we learn very quickly that there's no eye-making in the Dhamma. And when we are, we catch ourselves. That's kind of what Tim was describing. When, when he recognizes his eye-making is when he's out of his mind, but he now has the tools to bring his mind back into his body. This is not me. This is not mine. This is not what I am. The Buddha continues. Calm thoughts, calm speech, calm deeds. The Arahant, truly knowing the Four Noble Truths, is perfectly tranquil and wise. Again, it's a complete Dhamma teaching. This is what it means to be awakened. Calm thoughts, calm speech, calm deeds. The Arahant, truly knowing the Four Noble Truths, is perfectly tranquil and wise. You think of an image of the Buddha. That's, that's how he's almost always portrayed that way. Tranquil and looks pretty wise to me. The Arahant is free of blind faith, again, such an important line, and knows, free of blind faith and knows the end of karma. Having abandoned the fetters, the cause for suffering has ceased. 
This one is the most excellent of all people. Inspiring indeed is the Arahant's dwelling, whether village, forest, or mountain. Inspiring are the quiet spaces where worldlings find no pleasure, only peace. Inspiring is where Arahants, free of passion, rejoice from abandoning, uh, abandoning, sorry, abandoning chasing sensual pleasure. What that was saying. Abandoning chasing sensual pleasure. It's the constant distraction of a mind rooted in ignorance. When, a, when that mind becomes agitated and restless, it's because it's rejecting becoming calm and present in this, in this moment. Oh, I need to put these on. Um, let's go online first, as we always do, and we'll go to Josh first. Josh, how are you? Thank you, John. Hello, everybody. I'm, I, uh, I just want to echo what Tim was saying, that, that uh, I'm not sure if I uh, am, am Arahant yet, but uh, I do know that in my day-to-day life, when I start really getting uh, anxious or uh, angry or or uh, whatever. If I just try to return to my breathing in that moment, I've been a lot more comfortable in my own skin. I don't. I don't try to change anybody or uh, correct anybody. Uh, I sometimes do say I disagree with you, yeah. uh, uh, but I don't do it in an angry way. And and uh, uh, and I really do believe that they're doing the best they can. And yeah. and uh, let, let it go. So uh, it. It has helped me a lot in in just kind of going with the flow of life a lot better than I uh, have in the past. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Josh. It's worth the price of admission, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Thank you. Tom, how are you? Hi, John. I'm good. Thank you. And who's with you? Um, I've got some friends with me. I've got um, Alex, who joined a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. How are you, Alex? And then and Alice is a friend of mine, also from London. Hello, Alice. Welcome yeah. to our Sangha. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we've, um, we're doing a little kind of uh, retreat of our own this weekend. Nice. Um, so uh, we thought it would be great to just dial in uh, Saturday afternoon for us and, uh, and, and, and yeah, join, join the Sangha. We'd love to sort of build our own little Sangha or something in the UK one day. So, yeah, it, it um, sounds like yeah. you got a good, or looks like you got a good start there. <laughs> yeah, we certainly do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks again for the teachings today. Um, just for me, I guess the, the thing that, that really um, was a couple of things, I guess, first of all, like um, um, this idea of enlightenment again, I think we all, we all met actually through a Buddhist retreat. And um, I, I always felt that, you know, enlightenment was some kind of, um, 
you know, um, um, mystical idea, right? right? Or you'd be taken to some otherworldly place. And that always made it sound, you know, I really see how it's, it's just contributing towards, a, it's another fabricated view and it's yeah. another, it's something you're sort of clinging towards and you work towards. And I thought, I don't know if it was Tim or who it was there, but I was talking about that's how sort of religions are sort of, um, that really hit home with me. That's how religions are formed because it's like, okay, you can't get it now, but if you work really, really hard and you follow these rules, then then one day you'll have some amazing experience, which is yeah. only reserved for a very limited few. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's actually why I'm really, really uh, great, most grateful for about sort of joining uh, this Sangha is that sort of just becoming a bit more connected to the Buddha's original teachings and seeing that it's not something that has to be, um, yeah, it's not something that's out there, that it's it's quite ordinary, but it's bringing yep. the ordinary to life and making the ordinary uh, become extra special all of a sudden. And then we were just chatting earlier about, um, I was just sharing that I lived in a lot of different countries. And then um, it's like, oh, wow, you could easily have, it's easy to give that impression. Wow, you've lived a really, really interesting kind of life. But at the end of the day, if you're, if you're living it in autopilot and you're, and you're not, I mean, there's nothing more important. You could live in the most boring town in the most boring country on earth. But if you're, if you're really following the Dharma, then that even that most ordinary of, 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 of you know, so-called ordinary of existences can become filled with, with richness and meaning. Yep. Um, and yep. so, yeah, that's what I'm just grateful about, having learned more about the Buddha's original teachings and just that opportunity to, to, to really make the ordinary more exceptional. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so anyway, that's just something that came to mind when I was listening earlier, and uh, so thank you for that. Beautiful, Tom. Thank you. The the, uh, the the Dhamma is just that. You know, it's it's a way of actually living our human life. And like you just said, and as we develop the Dhamma, each moment becomes meaningful simply because we're living it. We don't need to grasp after anything in the future or, or accumulate anything because there's enough right here and right now for being a human being. So thank you. Alex, do you have anything you'd like to add? You don't have um, to, but we'd love to hear from you. I'll keep it short, but yeah, just thanks again for the talk. And um, no, for me, it was just nice to normalize the concept of enlightenment because um, a bit like what Tom said, we went on a, I, I'm quite new to Buddhism just this year. I've kind of started to explore it. And straight away, I did see enlightenment as this thing that I have to work really hard for and... Um, is in another realm of magical existence yeah. um, and you're the way you described it is actually it's just becoming human and there's no big deal you know when you and it's not going to happen in this magical moment um so i'm still exploring different views of buddhism and different people put it in different ways and when i've, I've heard you speak a couple of times now and, and when you you know when you express it it just it just helps me relax a little bit more yeah. and um calm down and I think I need that at the moment because I got a bit lost with Buddhism recently where I've been trying to cram my head with things and work hard for it yeah. so I'll, I'll be coming back to this Stanga and um, your talks because it, it helps normalize it for me and I think that's um, that's what I need at the moment yeah good I'm glad you Thank joined you. us Alex <laughs> Alice it's nice to meet you yes you too um, I don't have much to say other than thank you for letting uh, 
Again, thank you for joining us. You might find um, on the on the website there's a category near the top of the homepage on Siddhartha Gotama and his Dhamma, practical right here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's some articles in there um, about the development of the Pali Canon, um, another article called Modern Buddhism, A Thicket of Views, and another one called Salvation Free Buddhism. They all kind of relate to what we've talked about today. You might find them helpful. But I'm glad you joined us this morning. Mary, how are you? Good morning, Mary. Good morning, John. Oh, good, morning. good morning. How are you? Good um, morning. I'm good. Very good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Um, um, I, I think it's very helpful what everyone has said. Um, I agree with it, um, much of what David was saying, um, that it is... Um, understanding that those moments of um, right view um, are, are part of that experience, you know, that having right view in a situation where maybe previously you would have had very hot motion, um, that right view um, and the, and the, ability and mindfulness to recognize it is that moment. And yeah. so we're, we're living to sort of stretch those moments out uh, to be longer and longer, you know, so that they become um, integrated, that the Eightfold Path isn't something you just come to when you find yourself in a stressful situation it becomes more and more a daily part of your life and it becomes you. And then when you, I, I feel like when I've experienced the, in, the further integration, when I can recognize within myself that there's been a further integration um, is when I know I'm, I'm on the right path that I'm, I'm experiencing it. I'm, you know, you, you have to see it to realize it. You have to be with it to experience it. And I think you have to just give yourself credit when you do have those experiences. Yeah. So you have to acknowledge uh, it. And, and, and so thinking it <clears throat> of it any bigger than in this moment right now uh, probably won't serve us well. Uh, but thinking about it in the, in this moment right now Am I in right view? Am I on the path? You know, even even assessment of am I making the right effort? Am I sitting yeah. twice a day? Not in any old-fashioned way, but in a way that says I'm bringing a rigor to my practice because this yeah. is important to me, and I want more of, I want more, I want, it's almost like I want less, but not more. I want less <laughs> yeah. of the things that take me off the path and more of the things that are just me and myself. Um, so thank you for this talk, John. Thank right. you. Thank you, Mary. Less and less is more and more in the Dhamma. So thank you. <laughs> Hello, David. Good morning. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. Thank you. I'm glad you, you came this morning. Jen? Hi, good morning. There you are. 
Um, yeah, so a couple things that I just wanted to comment on. The first was that, um, you know, I think having a calm and peaceful mind and a spacious mind is ordinary and ever present um, if kind of under all the thoughts and feelings that are being constantly generated by conditioned thinking. Yeah. And so when, um, you know, initially when you're kind of like letting go of all the, the thoughts and feelings, um, it can feel, uh, dull and boring. Yep. Um, and, and that can further distract the mind into, um, you know, uh, just more distraction. Yep. Just because we're so out of practice and we're so not taught or conditioned or, or, or encouraged by, in our culture to be not constantly trying to acquire and get and, and you know, achieve. Yeah. And so it's just foreign to be, to feel, to feel space in the mind and to feel calm and at peace. So, I don't know, there's something that a couple people said that I just kind of wanted to like point that out. Yeah, it, it's almost like the, the, the world insists that we do something. Mm-hmm. And and we we cling to we tend to cling to identities that we can associate with other people that are like us and so then we become that mm-hmm. it's another example of becoming anything other than self and it, it it's for the most understandable reason we just want to fit in we want to be part of the world mm-hmm. that's an entanglement mm-hmm. isn't it even the desire to be a part of the world is rooted in ignorance of four noble truths it doesn't mean that we become antisocial in fact it means just the opposite we, we're living a more meaningful life. We're having a more meaningful impact on our society as an awakened human being. The less entangled we are in the world, the less con- the less we contribute to the stress and suffering mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so a truly compassionate person who understands that will do what the Buddha said. He'll take to the Dhamma like their hair is on fire. Because we care about ourselves and we care about other human beings. And we know... This is the most loving thing we can do for ourselves and all others. Thank you. There's one more thing I wanted to say too. Is that is that just in the conversations about um, you know Buddhism and it's always it always, I mean, John, you just know so much about all of the Buddhism that's out there and what everybody thinks about it. And I mean, it's like this whole world that. I have no idea about because because I Good. just 
didn't even like I don't even have really any kind of religious experience religious good. that's good background or anything you know totally so, I don't know I mean I, I'm not sure you know if I would say that because I definitely am entangled in the world and I definitely have a whole <laughs> I definitely have a whole lot of conditioned thinking and and just you know even when I came started coming here I didn't know that this was Buddhism, yeah, you know, I didn't, I, and I was, I had read your book. Like I somehow didn't really understand, like all I was getting gleaning from the book was, was just, Oh, wow. I could really, uh, I could really use some of that, like mm -hmm. get to think whatever I want when I want to think it, like get to have a calm mind, get to interrupt my thoughts. Wow. That sounds like something I'm, on board with so yeah. let me let me just keep but because of my conditioning i just what didn't see anything about yeah. buddhism and it wasn't until i was like in six months where i was like am i practicing buddhism right now <laughs> like, is that happening so i don't know i just kind of wanted i don't know why i, I wanted to point that out just well you point out something so completely different you know coming from a different place you know every everybody needs to hear that though it, it was by when, it, when I read, use my book, when I read Becoming Buddha Now, the whole thing is obvious to me. I mean, it should because I wrote it. But when I when I first read these suttas, I, they meant nothing to me, but I also understood that there's something here. And it was really by reading it over and over again, using the meditation method that the Buddha taught rather than the ones that I had learned, and slowly letting go of what I wanted Buddhism to be. And then... If, then like you, it be it was it wasn't an instantaneous awakening, but it was an instantaneous understanding of what the Buddha was actually teaching, and that's when I understood dependent origination of four noble truths is the foundation for everything the Buddha taught, and that, then it makes sense. Thank you, Jen. Hello, Ram. Hello, John. <clears throat> yes, great session. Um, I, I saw this line. Um, like swans who ab abandon a lake, they leave home after home behind. Yeah. And uh, God, what a great image. Isn't it? Um, and he's not talking about the, you know, the, the monks that leave their home behind. He's talking about where you are in the world, where you live in the world. Yeah. You can be there for an hour and it's home. You can be there for 40 years and it's home, but still you're always ready to pack up your bag and, yeah. and go to, you know, whatever else, you know, if it stops being the right place, you, you leave. Yeah. Um, and that, that non-attachment to just the place where you live is, is a great thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I flashed back on... <clears throat> the the times that I was bumming around in India, you know, uh, a couple of thousand miles from home, you know, no money in my pocket, uh, you know, one one bag on my shoulder, and and that was it, and um, which was a great experience. Um, it took me quite some time to to realize that. Because I, I used to think that this was a problem, that I was, you know, 3,000 miles from home with no money in my pocket. 
Um, and then I looked back on the, on the previous months and I realized that I hadn't spent a day without having decent shelter. And I had never been hungry. And that's when it kind of struck me that, oh, the problem here is not that I'm 3,000 miles away from home and I have no money in my country. The problem is I'm anxious about it. Yeah. I have no, I have no reason to be anxious about this whole situation. Yeah. So at that, and that was, that was a, a real life-changing experience. I realized I'm here. Everything's cool. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't need to worry about this. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Life's good. So, just wanted to put that well, Thank you, Ron. Well said, well said. Becky, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. You know, i got to ask you all to, ooh, it's kind of late. To oh. Speak, uh, please, please speak your mind, but speak rather quickly. <laughs> um, okay, there's really um, a lot. A lot has happened to me uh, today listening to all of this and one thing that I keep coming back to is when I'm sitting here at times I feel uh, sometimes I feel overwhelmed all of a sudden by something that you will say and I discovered today that the thing that overwhelms me the most is when you say this is something we can all do that's what's always attracted me to the Sangha, is that it's something that you can do yourself. Yep. And that's so comforting. And then I just want to echo what, what Mary said, is when you have those moments during your, during your day, when you are, you actually realize that in this moment, I am practicing the Dhamma. They, they are fleeting for me, fleeting, and they don't happen every day. But when they do happen, you really need to, you need to give yourself credit. Yep. You need to, you need to recognize that. And it's a great way to continue right effort. And it's also yeah. important to know that your effort is genuine right effort. I think you can fool yourself into thinking that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing and that you're making genuine right effort. And it's not genuine right effort. And I think the way you know that is those moments stop all of a sudden. Yeah, and it happens stop. when you disregard the Eightfold yeah. Path and start yeah. adding something or taking something out. And, and you, 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 sometimes you don't, you don't, you're, you're sitting every day and you're thinking you're doing it and you're not, you're just not genuinely doing it. Yeah. So I think that's important to, to realize. It is. Thank you. Becky. Thank you. Thank you all. Good morning, Julia. Good morning, John. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'll try to be brief. <laughs> Um, I came across a word the other day, and, it, and I think this is like the meaning of an arahant. It was imperturbable, and mm -hmm. the word is um, not able to be pierced or penetrated by any entanglements, um, marked by extreme calm, impassivity, and steadiness, 
deep serenity. When I came to, when I came to this word, it was like during reading with my students. I thought, wow, that's that's an intense word. That's exactly what an arahant is. Yeah, a person who right. has completely released everything, has profound wisdom and profound compassion. And um, the thing that gets me is the profound compassion because that's a that's a deeper understanding of compassion. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not empathy. It's not sympathy. It's it's not even compassion, it's something beyond. Yeah. This being is so released from everything that they walk among all of us, yeah. even even us who are practicing the Dharma. And they have pure, pure love, pure love, yeah. pure, pure compassion um, and understanding of everyone. I mean, they're walking amongst everyone who's suffering and they're the one that has been completely released. Yeah. I think about that and that's like, that's like, that's like, a, a, a thought that's like wow yeah. <laughs> i can't imagine being this being you know yeah. you know so uh, this this reading is about that is about the arahant and and what you know what it, what it, what are the qualities of an arahant and so that those qualities of, of the pure wisdom and pure compassion you know um yeah. well that's it. It, it compassion alone is full of eye making you know, I, yes, we've all heard people talk about how compassionate they are. I had, I had, I'm the most compassionate person I know. I, I when you don't have it married with John. wisdom, you're going to cause a lot of... Well, I, me too. I'm going to yeah. tell you an experience very quickly. I'm going to see if I can tell you very quickly. I had an experience of that. And I actually saw it. And I was able to recognize it as dependent origination. And I said, wow, I know, I understand this now. I have a, had a student who came to class and for three days just kept on crying. Like every time he came to class, we started talking about something. Something triggered him. He started to cry. I felt, I started to, I started to feel like, and I actually almost started to cry. I actually had to take a, a break later on and go to the bathroom because I was like, oh, I'm like a mess. I'm going to cry. Ooh. I felt, I felt for the, for the boy and I realized that, wow, I, I felt empathy, you know, and all of a sudden I realized, wow, I went through the process of dependent origination. I pulled whatever he had. It triggered me, yeah. made me go through the process of dependent origination. I'm no good in compassion anymore because I'm <laughs> now in the process of, Dependent origination, so I'm lost. I'm mm -hmm. entangled, right? Mm -hmm. And so not capable of actually offering him pure compassion right. yeah. to heal him, to help him. So mm -hmm. I realized that and I said, wow, that's, I think I finally understand that now. <laughs> you know, I finally came <laughs> to understand that. But it's funny because the next day, he had come to class three, three different times and he did that. And I just said to him, I started feeling it again, but I said to him, because I was doing it, breathe, take a breath, mm -hmm. take a breath. And he started, he's like, and I said, take a deeper breath, take a deeper breath. And then uh, he started to calm. He's calmed down. And then he, I said, okay, now you can, you know, go, you know, there was a, uh, a therapist in, in our school. And I said, just take a break. This is unimportant in comparison to your your state of mind right now. So I sent him in and um, he was, you know, he, he became calm, but he's like, oh, the breathing helped me. And I said, oh, good. <laughs> That's what you have to do. <laughs> So it was, it was interesting, but anyway, that was my experience. Thank you, Julia. Um, I'm up against it. The, the um, I'll give you each a minute. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> Just how long the class lasted. Michael, you got a minute. What do you have to say for yourself? I'll take less than that. Noble silence. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. I got a lot to say, so I'm gonna pass. <laughs> All right, we'll catch up next week, Adam. Yeah, I'm good, John. Thank you. Yeah, I'll uh, maybe I'll try to make my pickup be a little bit later. Um, I, I, Josh, how was? Did you hear everybody? Great. Okay. Um, we'll finish with Meta as we always do. Sorry for the bit of a rush here, but 
So these are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. So take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath. The Buddha's words. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. Unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class this morning. Peace. Thank you all for joining online as well. See you all soon. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.